This episode of the Power Connect podcast is brought to you by Cleantech's Greening the Grid Through Collaboration. With LNG markets, the price in the United States probably isn't two or three dollars on MMB to you anymore. It could be five, six, seven. Right now it's eight. And and that means that avoided costs are higher, which provides more headroom for wind and solar and batteries and all alternative sources of generation. Welcome to the Power Connect Podcast. I'm your host, Fred Davis. It's episode number six of the program happening right now. Glad to have you guys on board as we are each and every episode. Another great episode on tap for you today as it's a clean text rewind kind of show. Yes, the month of June is almost over. And it was a busy month for the folks over at Clean Text, myself included. Melissa Miller, co-chair, and of course, Miss Raina Hornaday. What a job the two of them did crisscrossing the entire state of Texas. I shouldn't say the entire state, but a good chunk of it. Needless to say... And I was privy to some of those drives. But no, it was an absolutely phenomenal month for uh, the folks at Clean Text, kicking off with Grid Next Lubbock as Clean Text debuted its chapter model, Lubbock, at the very beginning of the month with Grid Next Lubbock 2022. And again, great turnout there. We're going to talk to the folks from LPL, Lubbock Power and Light. Uh, we also heard from Mr. Argenis Bilbao, who's from uh, Gleam, and a little bit about the event as a whole. But again, great stuff from what went down over at Grid Next. Lubbock. And like I said, we're going to hear from them in just a little bit. And of course, the LPL folks, Lubbock Power and Light, Jubal Lynn, Paul Koberlein, and Mr. Luke Miller talking about the switch from SPP to ERCOT. Unprecedented. Never happened before. And really not just, you know, we're talking about here in just the state of Texas, but I'm talking about it's an ISO switch. You just don't see that ever across the United States. And of course, the one, the only Ken Donahue, a mainstay uh, in the clean techs front, also took part in that. But uh, we're going to hear from the LPL folks. So stay tuned for that. Again, co-chair Melissa Miller is going to talk a little bit about the month of June and kind of what's going on at clean techs and what you can expect for the rest of the month. And then, of course, Mr. Argenis Bilbao, Senior Director of the Global Laboratory for Energy Asset Management, part of Texas Tech. He's going to close things out for us on the episode today. And then, of course, sandwiched in between the one the only author of the energy switch, longtime clean text MC moderator, and just overall energy expert, the one, the only Mr. Peter Kelly Detweiler. We're going to hear from him because if you're going to do a grid next event, you can't not catch up with the one, the only Mr. Peter Kelly Detweiler. So let's kick this thing off. Lubbock Power and Light, Jubal Lynn, Paul Coberline, Luke Miller. Then you're going to hear from the one, the only Miss Melissa Miller, co-chair of Clean Techs, Peter Kelly Detweiler. And then we round things out with Mr. Argenis Bilbao. I'm Jubal Mann. I'm currently Electrical Engineering Associate 2 with uh, Lubbock Power and Light. And then I understand, and are we allowed to say this yet, that you, you know, yeah, it's effective just, next week? And yeah, yeah. You know, we're I'll, be a, I'll be a PE next, next well, as soon as I, they issue my license. Fantastic. So, uh, yeah, freshly minted. Congratulations. 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 Uh, Paul Koberlein, Lubbock Power and Light. I'm an Engineering Associate 2, taking my PE test in July. So. Fantastic. And I'm Luke Miller, Engineering Manager with Lubbock Power and Light. And, I try to help these guys get stuff done. Well, you obviously you're doing something right. And so, you know, it's easy to be hyperbolic in this day and age. But you literally have done something that not only has it not been done in the ERCOT, but you could argue it's never been done in any uh, independent system opera, uh, operation. Switching from one ISO to the next and just, you know, again, just for the folks at home that haven't been, had a chance to listen to this, just a little bit about what it was, why it happened, and just the work that has gone on behind the scenes to make it, make it a success and the work that still has to be done. Obviously, there was uh, 
a lot of things that went into something of this size. But you know, initially we were at LPNL was at a crossroads. A long-term power purchasing agreement was coming to the end of the contract, so we had to start making some decisions. So uh, we could either renegotiate that contract, we could build generation to supply our needs, or we looked into this third option of building transmission and joining into ERCOT. It's kind of off the wall thought at that point, but after looking into it, realized it was a viable option, and not only that, but it was the most economically feasible option for us as a utility. So that became the option that we pursued for the benefit of us and the ratepayers. Not only that, but also the option to join ERCOT and eventually give the citizens of Lubbock or the customers of LPNL the opportunity to uh, choose their provider and have choice as far as who they purchase their power from. So those are some of the drivers behind it. Obviously, once that decision was made, uh, a lot of study went into that. There's been a lot of projects going on and a lot of hard work by the employees of LPNL and also the contractors that we've been working with to help us reach success with it. So now, 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 Drew, you've been with them for about 12 years now. So yeah. you've been with them since the genesis of when this thing whole, all started. Yeah. Kind of walk us through what the conversations were like, kind of maybe what the anxiety was when you talk about doing something that's never been done before. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been quite the journey. Uh, like I said, when, I, uh, when this all started off, I was in production. So I was part of Generation. Okay. Uh, I, I was a, the power plant engineer for LPNL. Um, so when we started, of course, from the generation standpoint, this was all super nerve-wracking for everybody working on the generation standpoint. It's like, what's this going to mean for generation? What's this going to mean for all these people's livelihoods? Some people have been there for 30 years, you know. And so this is—it was a big up in the air, and a lot of us, you know, the top up, we weren't necessarily hearing everything about what's going on, why things are going on. We're just doing our jobs, you know. We just go around. To, we're just trying to make the best out of our days, trying to make power for the for the people you know and so we're just trying to figure out how to get things done and so you know then when I switched over and started working for distribution uh, started learning a bit more about what we were doing and starting having to implement some of these processes started start being more involved in uh, this, all the infrastructure that has to go into place it was just like I said and then then hearing that nobody else has done stuff like this and then right. we're you know a lot of us are fairly fresh and getting thrown into the fire, if you will, having to figure out new ways of doing things and how to make things happen and, you know, how to get things done. And that's, yeah. that's, that's what we've done for the last several years. It's just been, okay, well, we need to do this. Um, and then COVID showed up and it was like, okay, now you want to get this done, but yeah, no, it's going to be three times as long as you thought. And so we're just constantly having to find new ways to get things done and ways to make things happen because they need to happen. So it's, just trying to look ahead, plan ahead, and do the best you can. That's kind of where we're at. You know, LPNL was looking for uh, an engineering manager, and it looked like a great opportunity to me just knowing what they were going through and the changes that the organization was going through, hearing about the project and the move to ERCOT. You know, what a spectacular learning opportunity were you that could based be. based out of Lubbock? I was uh, north of Lubbock. Okay. At okay. Ma managing a wind farm, a newly built wind farm okay but you but you were i'm sure you so. know being a uh, red raider and all i'm guessing you probably had your finger on the pulse of what was going on oh yeah definitely followed uh if you're in lubbock it's hard not to follow it because the news right. reports on it fairly often okay so you weren't totally stranger to it then so when you walk into this process what exactly was what kind of what were your walking orders or, or working orders when you showed up and they said okay look we need you to do a b and c and obviously you know from the conversation we've heard so far you need 70% of the transmission to cross over. 
tell us a little bit about how that process went out and kind of what was your indoctrination of the team working with guys like Jubal and Paul to make it happen. So obviously getting, when I got here a little over a year ago, a lot of planning had already been done, right? I get here right before we do the, the big switch. And so the majority of my, uh, I guess, tasks or responsibilities have been uh, managing the remaining 30% and okay. making sure that, that we can get there. And guys like Paul and Jubal are critical to making sure that that happens, right? So there's a lot of work going on. Previously in the first 70%, we had, we had brought in a lot of contractors, project management, a lot of outside resources to help us. Well, during that time frame, our internal folks were able to learn some of those things. And now on this remaining 30%, there's a lot more of that aspect of it, the project management, procurement, yeah. uh, that we're able to handle internally. So managing that, building up our internal resources, I guess, to handle this remaining 30% has kind of been my focus. I'll open it up to Paul and Jubal. So we got the 70% done and obviously it went off without a hitch. What was the most nerve wracking aspect of that weekend of the lead up to it and you alluded to again we're coming off of covid which i don't care if it was power or whatever it was you had the world on lockdown we didn't know which you know what was up from left right from down whatever what was the most taxing and or trying moment leading up to the weekend last year when this first 70 percent went down i would say that the 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 challenge was in the challenge itself so that sounds kind of confusing i'll explain the sheer amount of things popping up left and right the deadlines that that nobody thought of the ERCOT said hey we didn't tell you this but now we need it tomorrow um the, the sheer amount of just things that that need to be done the minute details um, that nobody's ever thought about because nobody's ever done something of this scale before um, so putting out those fires, uh, I guess, was the most stressful thing. But because we did think of almost everything leading up to that, it made the actual big switch a lot more of a relaxing experience. I'll just kind of echo what Ken was saying earlier. I mean, I think from my standpoint, the biggest concern I had was for our field people. Sure. You know, they're doing something. They're You're switching stuff from two grids on equipment that hasn't been tested in this type of situation you don't know what's going to happen you're not 100 percent sure uh what's going to happen and so we're just worried about you know how how are the is everything going to go okay are our guys going to be safe is there going to be any problems are there going to be a failure that's going to take way too long to come back from and you know like you have the hospitals and stuff like that, that have to go down and so I mean, they're they going to be longer down longer than we anticipated you know just those kind of concerns you know, all of us, are, even us that weren't directly involved, we were all out there supporting. Some of us were delivering lunches to the line crews. Yeah. That's what we were, you know, everybody was doing their all bit on deck. To, to help out, you know, and just be available and stuff like that. And it went, it went really well. We were super, you know, like I said, there was a minimum of problems and they worked through it. Our guys all got to come home safely. Nobody had any injuries really or, you know, nothing like that. So that, that it was, it was, as far as I'm concerned, it was 100% su successful. All right, so we got 30% left. Uh, I got three of the guys that are going to make this thing happen. What's kind of the ETA for when we expect that 30% to happen, and what's kind of the, the, the checklist and or timeline or process that needs to happen before this all goes down? Sure, so our, uh, our goal is to, to have that remaining 30% switched over by the end of May in 2023. Okay. We're actively working on projects currently. We're in the engineering phase, procurement phase, and construction phase of projects to get that done. I guess I could chat you with this. Having 
work through the 70% transition, I got to believe that now that a majority of that anxiety is done, because again, we're not, we're not, you know, we're in the home stretch, but we're not there yet. But I got to believe having seen that 70% already go through, you're feeling pretty confident in, 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 you know, getting this last 30% done versus, you know, kind of the unknown prior to. Sure. Yeah. The main, you know, we've, we're already operating on the ERCOT grid. That was one of the main sources okay. of, of angst, I guess, with the first 70%. So since we're already there operating on it at this point, we're moving our distribution facilities over. We're pretty comfortable with being able to handle that. Hi, Fred Davis. It's always a pleasure to be with you and to talk clean techs. First of all, I would be remiss if I did not say that kicking off right around Gridnext Lubbock on May 31st is when you joined us as our new development director with Cleantechs. So that has been a huge highlight, first off. Secondly, another amazing thing happened this summer, which is the launch of our four chapters in Texas. Those chapters are in Lubbock, Dallas, Houston, and Austin. So that's been really fun, too, to get those kicked off. So we've kicked off the chapters, and that was something that, you know, you guys had talked about doing. Why was now the right time to do it? Now's the right time to do it because we are all coming out of the pandemic, and we are all interested in getting together and convening. Uh, we also had the Macomb School of Business at the University of Texas at Austin champion clean techs and our mission to expand across Texas. So with that, they, about four students got together and they put together a capstone project and an analysis of what that would look like to expand across Texas and how we would do it. So with that, we got feedback from professors as well when they presented and they put together a great program that we could execute on this summer and kick it off. Gridnext Lubbock went down, like we said, May 31st, June 1st. Huge turnout. We had some tremendous speakers, LPL, uh, Lubbock Power and Light. We're going to hear from them in just a second. But, you know, look, you, Raina, the entire team, you go up there, you know, and, and like I said, had great feedback. Just kind of overall your thoughts for, you know, being able to coordinate this with the Gleam team and putting this thing on. And like I said, just from my 30,000-foot view, things went pretty well. Yeah, it was really great, actually. We executed on the vision that we've had for a, a while now to be able to go into these chapter cities and have a one-day seminar focused on Grid Next, which allows us to cross-pollinate across the state, to engender thought leadership, to learn what's going on in those cities and what they have to offer around our mission, which is 50% renewable en energy integration in ERCOT by 2030. So, you know, Gridnex enables us to foster that conversation. We have Peter Kelly Detweiler, who is our moderator and MC of these events. He's been doing this with us for about six years. And I know he was really excited to actually see the vision launch, to actually do it in cities across Texas rather than just doing it one time a year. The other thing that was really cool and I'm glad you mentioned Gleam, wonderful partners. They did a tour of their microgrid, which was super cool. And then of course, learning more about the integration of Lubbock Power and Light into ERCOT. Many topics uh, were covered, but those were some of the highlights for me. And then shout out to Ken Donahue. Yeah, Ken Donahue is fantastic. And he personally was involved with Electric Power Engineers and Lubbock Power and Light 
in assisting in their integration. And so he helped us put together the panel and the participation there and the conversation that we had to learn more about that integration. And he is a keeper for sure. Have microphone, will travel. If you've got a panel, Ken Donahue will jump on board and will not disappoint. We learned that in Houston. We learned that in Lubbock. Uh, and that's just what Ken Donahue does. So Lubbock was a success. Then we had the first, what, happy hour in Austin in 2022 for Clean Tax? The first, the first chapter kickoff um, event that we had. That was super cool. And we partnered with uh, Dr. Michael Weber from the University of Texas. He has a clean energy happy hour office hours that we actually showed up to and had a great turnout that was super fun to do from there we went to dallas and we kicked off another what they call their power hour in dallas and had another great group of 30 40 people together and they were super excited to be a part of the new chapter as well so it's been kind of a little bit of a tour of texas thus far this summer and we've been having a great time been well received and there's a lot of leadership that's interested in fostering our initiatives uh, in this great state of texas and then just to give the folks at home a little sneak peek you got to you know we both got a chance to see the digs for what is going to be Gridnex Dallas that's going down September 22nd. Obviously, stay tuned to cleantext.org for more information on that. But uh, I got to say, Melissa, the layout for Gridnex Dallas is going to be extremely nice. Yeah, it's an inspiration hall at the University of Texas at Dallas. So that's pretty cool. Little kind of information about UTD. Actually, Texas Instruments was instrumental in founding UTD. And their whole core curriculum is around science and engineering. So it's apropos that we would be there for Gridnext Dallas. I'm personally getting super excited about Gridnext Dallas. It's kind of the culmination of 2022. We did Gridnext Houston, Gridnext Lubbock, and now we're doing Gridnext Dallas at the end of the year, September 22nd. It's going to be called Dallas and the Clean Energy Economy. And so there's a lot of excitement around that. Stay tuned for what that looks like. Energy leaders across Texas coming together to support our 50% integration goal. So that's pretty awesome. And then shout out to uh, Mr. Jonathan Grammer, who is doing a bang up job of putting together a robust list of panelists. Yeah, he's our co-chair. So Jonathan Grammer, new board member, he spoke at Gridnext Lubbock. He is heads up U.S. Carbon Capture. Uh, really great guy. Uh, and behind this energy leader, come you know, concept of us coming together from all different sectors across Texas to solve this integration issue and greening the grid through collaboration. June's coming to an end. Like you said, we crisscrossed the state and met a lot of good folks, a lot of good new members that are coming on board. So we're excited about that. Tell the folks at home just a little smitten of what's going to go down between now and Gridnext Dallas. So during July and August, we're going to be going back around to the four cities. So we'll be in in Lubbock again, we'll be in Austin, Dallas, Houston, having happy hours and socializing with folks. We also have a really cool webinar coming up that is gonna be on August 17th. And that webinar is going to be blockchain in Texas. There's a, an awesome agenda that we're pulling together right now 
Right now we have the Texas Blockchain Council is going to be there and others that are soon to be confirmed and released and that information will come forward. One thing I did want to point out is that all of our webinars are always available. So these are our offerings uh, that we provide for free that anyone can listen into at any time. You can just go on our website, cleantext.org, and you can register to listen to a replay, even if it's already in the past. So for example, we had a really cool webinar on distributed energy resources that was it was this month on the 15th of june and it was called the growing power of the grid edge and that was super interesting vj batla with autogrid and char with sonova and peter kelly detweiler of course there's a bunch of other topics that you can listen into on our website if you're interested in learning more melissa is there anything we're leaving out for the folks at home share and like on our LinkedIn page. We're working to grow our listenership and our readership, and we want to meet new people across Texas. All right, we're here with uh, the one, the only, Mr. PKD. Uh, I said the incomparable on my uh, LinkedIn page, so I always try, my, my goal is every time I see you, I'm gonna come up with a different adjective to describe you, so. And then the fact that we heard Katie bar the door <laughs> warmed my heart today, so just so you know. Hey, number one, it's been a few months since we saw you last in Houston. First time doing Gridnecks in Lubbock, your thoughts? Yeah, I thought it was a great event. It's the first time this chapter has had a Gridnext event. We had some really interesting conversations around carbon capture and storage, uh, what, what Gleam is doing, some of the new developments on the power grid. So I thought it was a great day, really good questions, good participation from the audience, and a, and a great foundational start to something I hope is going to grow a lot in the years to come with the energy conversation. One thing that, uh, probably the one conversation that was probably, you know, for just from a, we really don't hear that often, and let's call it what it is, we never hear it, is the ISO switch uh, and what Lubbock Power and Light was able to do. I mean, you know, in all your years of covering this, have you ever heard or seen or talked to anybody that's been a part of something like that? No, that's a pretty audacious goal because at the end of the day, it's about 600 megawatts of total load they're trying to shift over. They've shifted over like 470 now in phase one where they actually moved all that load over uh, a year ago, Memorial Day, from Southwest Power Pool to ERCOT with a process that started in 2015, then got regulatory approval 2017, around that range, and then multiple years of planning before then they actually did the work to build new transmission infrastructure and then actually do the physical shifting. So really super complex, a lot of planning involved. The good news is it went without a hitch. Now there's a small phase two left with about what, 125 megawatts or so, which will happen probably sometime in the next year, pending some regulatory approvals, all just distribution levels. So the, the big enchilada has already been handled. We are in a very tumultuous energy world that we live in right now. A lot, I mean, a lot's changed since the last time you and I chit-chatted back in March. Uh, what's going on over in, in you know, Russia and Ukraine? What's going on here at home? Just give me kind of your Peter Kelly Detweiler's 30,000 foot view of where we're at right now, the energy status quo. Sure. Long term, the trends don't change. The carbon imperative doesn't change. And ultimately, the cost dynamics long term probably don't change. Short term, a lot of perturbations, mostly around supply chain, logistics, Shanghai shutting down with COVID in China doesn't help at all. Tons of ships waiting off the port there. Materials can't get here, including batteries, chips, solar panels, etc.
but you kind of have to look at this thing. What's short-term economics and short-term elasticities versus long-term? And my belief is ultimately this will revert, revert back to some equilibrium where costs might be a little bit higher today. But then the tech part of it keeps getting better, whether it's bifacial panels or heterojunction or... Uh, perovskites or other things that are still moving along in that space. I think those get better. Wind turbines get stronger. The offshore wind industry looks like it's really going strong east coast and now they're doing leases west coast and studies there. So, you know, that's still moving apace. Solar panels slowing down, but batteries still moving along. Supply chain issues there, but we're starting to see a lot more storage. And, and you know, longer term, maybe you see some modular nuclear and I'm actually also talking right now to a company that it has plans for fusion by 2035 and they think it can be cost effective there's real challenges around creating the magnetic bottle that can that mean that contains essentially that plasma reaction that's like the Sun right but a lot of processes um, and progress has been made in that area recently and there have been investments one company garnered I think it was 1.6 billion dollars Commonwealth fusion last year from investors who think this is a reality and there are other companies like TAE and a whole host of others getting investments and having people think that this is a reality potentially that could provide low-cost energy probably 15 13, 15 years from now. They're looking at 2035 for maybe first commercially viable. Now, that's a long way off. There's, as they say, many a slip, twixt cup and lip. Um, the solar industry didn't exist 10 years ago to give you a sense of the time frame. So 12 years, 13 years, that's a long time from now. But still, it's now something worth at least seeing if there are new stakes in the ground, milestones that they pass. So there's some really interesting stuff going on in the space. And then carbon capture we talked about today. You know, there's still a lot of work to do there, but uh, suffice it to say that the entire ecosystem is really dynamic and now set against what looks like a long-term higher avoided cost because natural gas with LNG markets, the price in the United States probably isn't two or three dollars on MMBDU anymore. It could be five, six, seven. Right now it's eight. And and that means that avoided costs are higher, which provides more headroom for wind and solar and batteries and all alternative sources of generation, similar to having a subsidy. So that's some that's ground for optimism within the context of those supply chain malaise right now. See you again in September, uh, Dallas Gridneck. So what's kind of on uh, Peter Kelly Detweiler's summer schedule? Yeah, this summer, um, a whole bunch of trainings with American Public Power Association. I've been fortunate to ask to be asked to do a lot of work with them, and I, I love the municipal utility space. Um, some trainings as well with Smart Electric Power Alliance. And then I get to do something in the fall where I'm doing a keynote for the Independence International School Association. Okay. You know, the kids of diplomats and and uh, offshore companies and that sort of thing where I'm doing a keynote on how do you think about and integrate climate and carbon management both with respect to the school, the physical plant, and then travel and stuff like that. And how do you integrate it into the student's curriculum so they become active managers in the future they have to live in? And, so the, and then we're doing a workshop on the second, I'm in Dubai for like a week. So that I'm looking forward to because that's going to be really fascinating. People probably don't realize just how robust and how, I mean, look, we know that how much the re- renewable market's growing here. Renewable market in the Middle East and the North Africa region is is, is hot as well. Oh, huge. Like, like this project, Gnome, in uh, 
on the Red Sea, the Saudis, they intend to be the Saudi Arabia of hydrogen, right? Because they have so much solar energy. Or Mazdar in Dubai, and then Abu Dhabi in Dubai, you know, they're, they're doing a lot of work around renewables, smart city, all that stuff. Because they recognize hydrocarbons aren't going to be the reigning fuel forever, and they're trying to position them, some, themselves now for that inevitable energy transition and stay, you know, on top of that, surf that wave, if you will, in, into the future, which is otherwise pretty uncertain for those nations. Any vacations planned? You know, I was in Hawaii last week. I was in Mexico. Humble brag. But, uh, um, well, when I go, I work. I work from, say, 6 in the morning till 2, and then I take the rest of the day off in beautiful places, right? Um, That's a good way to do it. But it is. But, but the other thing is, I was thinking about this the other day. In some ways, I can't afford to take a vacation. And I, Well, there's... I was sick for a week one time in the hospital in the ICU and when I came out I had lost my finger on the pulse of what had been happening. It's almost like an addiction to tracking information every day and seeing it stack on top of each other and contextualize and understanding why this new fact on the ground that just changed matters. And if you take your finger off the pulse for a week or two, it's kind of like if you fish the same spot and you get to know it and then you leave and you come back, you're like, where are the fish? I don't know what the tide's doing. I don't understand the wind now. You lose the whole context. And so for me, it's almost unnerving to take a vacation and be totally disconnected because I kind of need that feed, you know? I totally get it. Uh, real quick, for the folks that have not uh, checked out the energy switch, shame on them. Where can they find it? Where can they get it? And where, they, uh, where can they get more of uh, PKD info? Um, yeah, so I've got my weekly video on LinkedIn. I encourage anyone to reach out to me on LinkedIn. It's a weekly five-minute video on all the top energy stories that happened last week, the five to eight around the world that mattered. And then the easiest way to find the book is on Amazon.com. But if you also reach out to me on LinkedIn, I can hook you up with an indie bookstore. My family has one, for example. And then I can even get you, woohoo, a signed copy. <laughs> Say no more. Say no more. Real quick, real quick, last thing, last thing. Uh, Patriots, you know, just give me a, a, a 30 second snapshot of what you expect at your Pats in 2022, especially since AFC East looks a lot different this year. Two words rebuilding year. I think the event went really, really well. In the future, one other thing that I would like to do is, uh, you notice that there was a poster section here yeah. uh, at the end, uh, particularly yesterday. Uh, that was very popular yesterday. So I want to expand that idea okay. so that uh, not only can students and other professionals from you know the industry can bring a poster and show that, yeah. but they can write papers and those papers could actually be published in the IEEE uh, database. So that would be fantastic. Well, and I think the one thing you guys did a really good job of too was showing off the diversity of the Lubbock energy scene, right? I mean, we know what you guys do on the wind front and you know, we had a chance and we'll talk a little bit about the, the microgrid we just got done seeing and taking a tour of. Great job by you and the folks at Gleam on that. But we got a nice comprehensive view of the work, not only what Gleam is doing, but Texas Tech. Uh, we got a little carbon capture love. And then of course, what the LPL Lubbock Power and Light's doing as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Really happy about that. How do you guys build off of today's event and what's kind of the next step? So what's in store for Gleam right now, it, uh, as you saw, we still have a few bugs on the technical side uh, because of the integration of new uh, 
the new system in in our case the new system was that reactive load yeah. we need to work out the load so that's on the technical side on the more uh, vision maybe programmatic so what are who are we going to be working with we have to solidify uh, our relationship with some of the companies that you know some of them are here uh, yeah. things like a, fl a flower turbines yeah. uh, we want to actually get to the point where they move into the facility and uh, it, it was great this uh, grid next conference actually helped on that yeah. uh, they were able to go see the site see where they would be placed at and uh, go from there it, it's not the same as showing a picture it, it's always good to have you know people come in person and actually see it I thought the way it was all set up, you know, the uh, Q&A session for me where I talk about it, so what's the point of Gleam, uh, what's the mission, the vision yeah. and so forth, uh, definitely conveys that message. That's uh, why I was so excited to partner with uh, Gridnext uh, for this conference. And of course, the actual visit of the microgrid side really puts the nail all the way through. Tell the folks at home a little bit about who Gleam is and kind of what y'all's mission is. Absolutely. So uh, Gleam is a project that started as a $13 million investment by the state of Texas to perform research under the energy umbrella, in particular into microgrids. So for that reason, I seek to bring together professionals from multiple disciplines, not just electrical engineers, but uh, people from, you know, civil engineer, mechanical engineer, everybody that's actually doing work in the energy field to do uh, research at the site. Not necessarily physically, but at least to collaborate on that research. And of course, uh, being part of a university, we want to be able to publish some of the work and Okay, that comes with a big asterisk. I mean, if you're a private company, I, we fully understand that you want to protect your IP. So we work things out so that anything that you as a company don't want to publish uh, doesn't get published. Right. So that's a gleam in a nutshell. Okay, and like you said, you got plenty of work. Uh, it's going to be a busy rest of 2022. Yes, yes. So, uh, as I mentioned during the tour, we have this collaboration with Sandia National Laboratories and we are currently working on the MOUs and uh, not just the MOUs, but the actual process. How do we transfer power back and forth between the facilities without blowing up each other's facilities? Yeah. So there has to be a, you know, there has to be a process, a documented process and a procedure to make this happen. So. Yeah, it's, it's going to take a while. Thank you so much for that, everybody. What a great show, and can't thank everybody enough for their hard work and putting all this together. And again, shout out to the entire Gleam team, uh, the entire Gridnext team. It's just been, and all the folks over at the Dallas, Austin, Happy Hours, and of course, over in Lubbock, and then of course, Houston, we haven't forgot about you. We're coming next. Don't you worry about it. Of course, you guys all know I'm here in H-Town, so stay tuned for that. And of course, follow Clean Techs on LinkedIn. Uh, give them a follow. You will be glad you did. And then of course, while I'm at it, hey, since we're, we're, we're shucking and jiving over here, be sure to go like the Power Connect podcast. Look, we're six episodes into this thing, all right? So it's easy to catch up on them. The episodes aren't long, 25, 30 minutes, give or take. Chock full of information, good interviews, good guests. It's all there for the taking, folks. Go to Apple Podcasts. Go to Spotify. Subscribe, follow, do what you got to do. And then, of course, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating. It helps with the algorithm. And I think overall, hey, it's so far so good. If you want to be part of the show, and we know a lot of you do, go follow the Power Connect on LinkedIn as well. Follow me, connect, you name it. 
Fred Davis. And then, of course, uh, if you want to join the show, be a podcast partner, just reach out to me either on LinkedIn or you can always email me as well, fred at thepowerconnect.net. This has been the Power Connect podcast, connecting the energy transition one conversation at a time. The world won't get no better. We got to change it now, just you and me.